0: You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Today's podcast, our guest, Ray Hughes, is special for a number of reasons. First of all, Ray has been a minister who has taught about worship, music, creativity, and the prophetic for decades. He's a spiritual father and an inspiration to so many worshipers worship leaders, and those who are passionate about the presence of God. Number two, Ray was the first person that I remember hearing talk about the Tabernacle of David, which is a huge passion of mine. As many of you know, I wrote my first book on David's Tabernacle uh, this year, and Ray gives an encouraging review of that book (laughs) in this episode. Today, but number three, if you have not heard, Ray is uh, in the midst of battling cancer right now. And so it's been a very challenging year for him. And uh, that's been something that's open to the public and, and his daughter has raised money to help some of their medical costs. And so it, it's a huge honor that while Ray is, is suffering and he's, he's very tired in the season of his life. And we're praying for God to supernaturally heal him, but it's amazing that he would take the time to share uh With us here on the podcast right now in this season, and so it was an amazing honor raised one of my heroes and this was awesome to have him on the podcast for this episode. Look real quick before we jump in, if you're new to the podcast, welcome, thank you for joining us today. Our podcast exists to equip you to host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer because we believe God's presence changes everything. We release new episodes on Thursdays. They're either short little teachings for myself or extended interviews and conversations like what we're having today with Ray Hughes. Please hit follow or subscribe wherever you're tuning in with us so you don't miss an episode. You can also go to our website at presencepioneers.org. you can subscribe via email that's my personal favorite because you'll get an email as soon as the new episodes come out plus we sometimes send out special updates just to our email subscribers also on our website presencepioneers.org we have our entire archives of all of our podcast episodes you can search by keyword or topic you can also just learn more about our ministry or make a donation just to say thank you to help support this podcast we don't have any ads or sponsors Up to this point, we are totally funded by our generous Presence Pioneers partners. So thank you for your support in advance. All right. Well, without further ado, here is my fun conversation with the legend, Ray Hughes. Ray Hughes, welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast.
1: Thank you, Matthew.
0: It's great to have you. It's a huge honor.
1: Well, and and for me too, man, I've been looking forward to this. I'm glad it's happening.
0: For sure. For those who don't know Ray, I believe, I think that my first exposure to the Tabernacle of David was through some of Ray's teachings at a Morningstar conference. I know it was around that period of time when I began to hear about the Tabernacle of David. And so, so thankful for you in some of those early years, pioneering some teaching and some understanding and revelation around these themes, because there hasn't been a whole lot on these topics. And for me, some of your early teachings and recordings used to have CDs the minstrel series and some of these old, old teaching series were very impactful for me. And um, now, of course, written a book on, on the whole topic, but just thankful for you and your ministry over the years.
1: Well, thanks. I can already tell you, you got the third generation of that teaching. If you got it on CD, you were, you're, <laughs> you're far more progressive than I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was originally tapes, right?
1: It, yeah, it started off on cassette, really bad cassettes. And then graduated to a better cassette and eventually made its way to the CD. So you you were third generation. Yeah, that's fun. Hey, I want to start
0: off with a random question, if that's okay. Yeah. Was David the first person to form a band?
1: Uh, Nope. Okay. Uh, It it was during a time, of course, when David would have been alive. But in fact, Samuel is the first person to ever form a band. There you uh, go. And, and where is that in, in uh, chapter 10, verse three to five, right in there somewhere. That's what well, we all know the story. It's where uh, Samuel uh, tells Saul, he says, hey, guy, I know you, you lost your donkey, but here's a word that'll change everything for you. And he did. He, he prophesied and he did. It was one of those kind of prophecies that didn't have time to be excused. Tomorrow you're going to encounter the fulfillment of this word. And he did. And uh, it says, well, you'll be basically, you know, in a down-home translation, it says you're going to be going up the road. You're going to run into a, a, a band of prophets coming down the hill. And when they play, you will no longer be the same person. God's going to give you a new heart. You're going to be changed. You're going to be transformed. And so, what he did, he spoke truth that was so transformative that Saul walked it out. And 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 sure enough, that was when in the days of Samuel, when he was had had a company of prophets school of the prophets and sometimes it was called the sons of the prophets and uh, and of course lastly you see it in scripture called a band of prophets and what it was was these musicians walking down the hill single file, how do we know is because the word band is the word cable and the Hebrew word cable. For us it's the word cable. <laughs> it's like a rope, a line, a string so they were coming singularly walking, progressively releasing their individual sounds into a corporate atmosphere. And it carried mm. such the nature of God. And that's the very first time in any scripture or, or, or any literature or any historical accounts anywhere that you find a group of musicians that were called a band. Wow! So the b- very first band was on a place called Neat Ramah, which was uh, on the hill of God, high place, which is the word Alabama <laughs> <laughs> important to some in our generation to get to Alabama as quick as you can and right. get in <laughs> a high place with God. But no, I, I joke. But right, think about it, Matt. I mean, that means that we have a hope to know that if God did it, God can do it. Firstly, mm. we need to know that there should be some musicians in the earth that are carrying such a release of the presence of God that you come into that atmosphere. You're no longer, again, the same person. And every yeah. one of us at some point have experienced that
0: in some yes. way.
1: And here's the scary part. Yeah, I remember the day, first time I heard such and such. Mm. It changed my understanding of life, how I processed my life out of their music and poetry or whatever it was they were carrying. I processed my life differently now. I was changed. I was transformed. See, facts inform, truth transforms because it was the truth of God's word that they were carrying in that atmosphere. It's an incredible thing to think about the first band.
0: Yeah. 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 That's amazing. I'd heard that, but I hadn't had any proof of that. (laughs) And my limited Google searching wasn't turning (laughs) up in anything contrary to that idea. But I I think that's fascinating that the first band, the first band of musicians was a prophetic team of musicians that was worshiping the Lord.
1: And of course, David would have had to have gotten a lot of his influence from there, definitely as well, I believe that I believe that's one of the reasons that awkward moment that happened in David's house in Jesse's house, where Samuel came and he anointed David, but told nobody why,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, he just anointed him and walked out the door, and nobody knows he's anointed to be king. David didn't even know
0: yeah, yeah, and I, I,
1: I bet those brothers in their jealousy and criticism thought, well, yeah. Uh, you're probably going to wind up in Samuel's band up on Naot them, Oh
0: yeah,
1: where Asaph, Jeduthun, and Heman were already being prepared, and they were sitting under that same, the tutelage of Samuel, the old prophet. Yeah. you know it's kind of interesting to take those things apart sometimes and see what's really being spoken, mm. and especially how relevant it is today. If we are a tabernacle of David generation. Yes, I think we are because I got this. I got this great, great book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. Well, look, I got, I've got yours right here too. Um, <laughs> this is 107 things I forgot to say the last time I talked about worship, creativity, and music. So, one of the longest book titles, but it's an it's an awesome fun book. I was going to ask you about the first of the 107 things here, which I think ties in with this story about Samuel pretty well. It says, if we change the way the church understands music and worship, we'll change the way the world encounters God. Yeah, yeah. why is that the case?
1: Revelation and truth, uh, think of it as a, as, a, as a revealing of the full nature of God. See, what? here's the thing, we have gained all of our ideas and definitions of what music is. We've gained that from Western thinking We've gained it from uh, marketable emotions. All of the, basically, the Greek ideologies that are wrapped around music. Yeah. You know, D- David was not confined to that or, or limited by that. In our broad thinking, we have created an understanding of music and song that is not even biblical. And so if the Word of God can reveal... What song is and what all the definitions that we, we gain from the NOS, the educational aspect of it. I'm not answering this question good because it's so multi-layered. Matt, it, yeah, there's there, there's so many places you can go. Yeah, and and I think I think we as the as the people of God, we need to uh, become students of the Word, and do do things like you did. Get in there and dig it out, man. Yeah. You know, if we begin to see song like David saw song. And when he said sing, it wasn't, uh-uh-uh-uh. The Bible doesn't talk about that kind of stuff. It, uh, sing is to walk about as a strolling minstrel. It's the word shira, walk about as a strolling minstrel, releasing and revealing the full depth and nature of who you are, what you're passionate about. Singing is nothing more than impassioned speech. And when you give voice to it, walk about as a strolling minst- minstrel, re- revealing the full dynamic of who you are as a triune being, mm. those begin to carry a biblical understanding of what music really is. Yeah. And we don't get that anywhere.
0: Because mm. I, I, ex- I would expect this quote to say something like, if we change the way the church understands music and worship, we'll have much better church services and feel very blessed and encouraged or something like that. But you yeah. don't say that. You say we change the way the world encounters God, which I, which is the part that kind of sticks out to me and i think you're you're kind of hitting on it because you're saying that it's more than just having good services it's actually who we are and it's us revealing god you're talking about strolling around as a minstrel revealing who god is that's a lot different is i mean it's kind of like samuel and his worship team coming off the off the hill there it's yeah. that's a lot different in than it is just us kind of having our little meetings and having a good time, but that somehow our music and our worship affects the world and gives them a revelation
1: mm-hmm. of who
0: God is. That's just a power. That's just a fascinating idea.
1: Well, you know, it can be coupled very easily to the whole idea of the seven mountains, those spheres of cultural uh, influence that we that we desire as, as the people of God to invade or infiltrate those and influence those and when in fact there's an eighth mountain that we keep overlooking and and david didn't go after the seven mountains until he had conquered number eight and that was the that was mount zion the place of worship the place of god's presence and we always think that the seven mountains you know the the education and arts and entertainment government and all uh all those but we're never going to be effective against those if it's not coming out of an atmosphere of worship so we take Number eight first, then the overflow and the greatest tool for leading worship that we have is the overflow of our worship, right? When you get up as a worship leader, the overflow of your worship is what creates the impact as well. So what if we as the people of God, if the church began to understand the only hope we have is introducing and revealing power the presence of, of the Father? That's why I believe that the battle, that Jesus fought against the enemy and the temptation of Christ was all about worship. That's why when everything was offered and finally came down to it, the enemy says, Oh, I get it. I know who you are. Okay. You don't have to go to a cross to a tomb and all that resurrection uh, to restore everybody to the father. i tell you what, I know what you're after and I'll give it to you. You don't have to suffer. I'll just give it to you. All you got to do is worship just for a (laughs) sec. You know, I mean, I can hear this manipulative, just w- worship, and I'll give you all those things. And Jesus said, what did he say? No, nope, ain't going there, dude. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, him only shalt thou serve. So from an atmosphere of worship, we can serve humanity and be effective. Jesus had his priorities right because he was speaking the desire of the Father. And also, he had just been identified as, this is my beloved. Beloved is, is the Greek word David. Yeah. So... This is the son of David. He came to restore. And so, again, it's always about worship. If we're going right. to move the world, it better have the real deal. It better have truth that is transformative rather than just more, more things to do in a church service. We're never going to get better at doing church than we are now. It's just yeah. not going to happen. We, we've absolutely mastered having church services. Yeah. Yeah. We need a revelation of the Father in those atmospheres.
0: Yeah. Amen. Well, I want to talk about creativity a little bit, if that's okay. Um, Yeah. I I love your insights on this. And another uh, quote from your book, maybe we could springboard off of this. You said it's number 34. You think you're, you're not creative. You are. You may not be artistic, but you are creative. So what's the difference between being artistic and being creative?
1: Think of it like this. Art is not decoration art is exploration mm. and so many times we devalue and even disqualify ourselves from really experiencing expressions individual expressions of art by what goes on in our head because we're we're trapped in this perfectionism thing and we think perfectionism is excellence and it's not i've never met a songwriter that has ever finished a song i've never met an artist that's ever finished a piece. And the reason is because if you're an artist and you walk in the room and your art's hanging on the wall, the first place your eye goes is to the place. Oh, I should have done so-and-so. I mean, I've written over a thousand songs and I've never finished one yet because every time I play one of those old songs, I don't, I won't even listen to my old records. I won't read my old books. (laughs) It's because of that very thing. So what what I'm doing is I'm constantly disqualifying myself from, uh, Everybody lies to themselves like that. When you say, Oh, I'm not creative. Yes, you are. You are created by the Creator to be creative. Everything He ever created creates. Mm. That's why wind makes more wind, fire makes more fire, flowers make more flowers, grass makes more grass, water makes more water, on and on. Mm. Everything that He made, He created, creates. And it's all to reveal His glory. And then He gives us. To creativity, it's not about what you produce as a creative. Because if, if that's if it's based on that, pretty soon what happens is, is you use you, you what you've created and compare it to others. And where there's comparison comes competition and everybody loses. Because mm-hmm. now somebody's gonna win. Get those ideas out of our head as creatives, yeah. and we'll realize it's not about creating a product. That is a again, a Western yes. marketing thing. We're not creating a product. We're walking through a process. So creativity is not a product. It is a process. And lastly, it's a partnership. You're the partner with the one who created the whole universe. And make it my creativity as I partner and uh, engage and interact with God. That's what creativity is really about.
0: Yeah. It's expressed That's so good. Work. Everybody's creative because we're made in God's image and he's a creator. Yep. There you go. Creativity, I mean, think about the seven mountains you were talking about earlier. I think there's ways to bring creativity into all of those mountains, and we need that, I believe, is the people of God tapping into creative solutions from the Lord, bringing those into government, business, education, all of that, and, yeah. uh, and releasing that. And,
1: you know, one definition of creativity, Matt, is just the, having that innate ability to access options. Mm. Oh, you know, what if? There, here it it starts, what if, and Mm. uh, real creativity is, is holding on to what if, until it becomes a what is, Mm. and sometimes it's just connecting dots, you know, for for example, Henry Ford never invented anything in his life, except the assembly line. Everybody had already made the, they'd already made the rubber. They'd already made the metal of gas, the engine, everything was already sitting there. He just was creative enough to connect everything.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a, isn't that in a sense sort of what all creativity is because God made everything ultimately, and we're just sort of piecing it together and rearranging it and, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Because, you know, uh, God didn't ask Noah to build the ark until he had already built the trees.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. all of our creativity is, in a sense, connecting the dots and rearranging yeah. things. Um, specifically when it comes to worship and the church, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of people that tune in who are gathering people together to worship and to pray and to spend time in the presence of God and pray for revival, those kinds of things. Uh, any suggestions, especially for, you know, worship leaders and those kinds of things, how do we bring creativity into, into some of these environments so that they're, uh, for lack like of better word, maybe not so stale or predictable, but there's elements of creativity in these kind of environments. Any suggestions?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, find ways of accessing what the dreams that, that God has already put in the heart of those that are going to engage in it. Mm. So that means there's going, you know, going to have to be a sense of community. There's going to have to be a sense of walking together. It's not going to be about this, you know, the worship leader swaggering from the bus to the stage. It's going to be about the weeping between the porch and the altar and the humility and the honesty and the authenticity, create authentic atmospheres and the authentic and pure giftings that have been hidden and are never expressed in worship because of the vulnerability factor and humbling themselves, rather than aspiring to be the one on the stage or the leader or this kind of thing. Unity is something God honors. And a real definition of unity is just corporate humility. Mm. And so if we can create atmospheres where people feel safe to go ahead and live that deepest expression that's in them, though, it might be a bit bizarre, you know, but we're talking about worshiping God. We're not talking about tiptoeing through the tithers here, <laughs> you know, we're talking about finding that place where you can be the truest to you Yeah, uh, is important. And I think as wonderful and as important, as invaluable, as local church gatherings are to impact the world and the community and all the good things they do. Sometimes, you know, real creative people have a hard time living the passion of their dreams and trying to diminish it down to a 20-minute slot on a Sunday morning Yeah. and trying to fit it in there because they it's been insisted upon them. If they're ever gonna be of any value in the kingdom, They've got to be locked into the limit, the, the limitations of a one-hour, and they've got 24-7 living in their heart. How are they going to, how are they going to do that without sooner or later feeling like a rebel or a renegade or becoming a rebel in a renegade? Yeah. So yeah. I, th- I think that's an important thing we need to look at, and I think what's happening now is that this wave of worship that's going around the earth where people, they don't have to have carpet. They can worship on, on the sand or in the rocks or in the, you know, and it, unto him shall the gathering of the people be is an important factor. there.
0: Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining presence pioneers premium, our brand new subscriber community paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, Such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024, with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. In one of our previous conversations you were sharing with me when you were a pastor, I think it was when you were a pastor for a while and you guys had a A totally separate gathering, I think it was a Sunday night or something where you saw all kinds of all all kinds of interesting creative expressions, even some strange stuff would 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 take place. But it was an environment where people could, you know, maybe push the limits of of what's normal, sort of express themselves artistically and creatively, that kind of thing.
1: And it can get crazy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a risk involved, isn't it? I mean, I, I think maybe some leaders are, that's why there's some hesitancy sometimes. They Like, what do I do with this artistic person, this creative person that, you know, yeah. I, I don't know how to relate.
1: Yeah. And, it's, and first of all, you know, people think it's really hard to pastor creatives and pastor musicians. Matter of fact, I'll go ahead and say it. It's impossible. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> what a hilarious. challenge because their world is going to change every, mm. every time, every time the wind blows, every time the storm comes, every time the sun shines, every time the flower grows, everything, you know, those people got 27 apps open in their head going all at the same time. And you're try, <laughs> trying to figure out how to filter you know, to focus yeah. on that, you know, and yeah. it's just, yeah, but well
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so it's impossible, huh?
1: I <laughs> will say yeah. that from experience. I pastored three times, Matt, and I'm not yeah. a good pastor and I have references yeah. that confirm that I'm not a good pastor. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But I'll tell you, uh, you know, I t- I'll tell you where the answer to this is. It's when you look yeah. at first Chronicles 25, one in that mm-hmm. generation, David and the captains here come the pastor and the elders. David and the captains separated to the service of the house of the Lord, Asaph, Jeduthun, and Heman, that they would prophesy upon the instruments, and they, on the timbrels, the cymbals, the harps, and all, all this kind of stuff. They set up an apprenticeship, and the way it worked was under the hands of their fathers. So there was an authority structure, but it wasn't a binding, limiting authority structure. It was a platform for them to become truly who they were, because like real fathers, real fathers are not going to always tell you what to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. What they're going to do is they're going to love you so much that you cannot keep from becoming what you were born to be.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: They create that kind of, a, of an atmosphere. And so that they would prophesy upon the harps and the cymbals. See, prophecy is not about telling you what to do and how to do it. It's about awakening who you are. And so that's what they did. They created an atmosphere that would truly awaken Asaph, in and Heban. And then there was Kenaniah, who instructed about the song because he was skillful. Here you have one more example of, a, of an older guy there, a father in the Lord, creating atmospheres so that people could function the full release of song. And it takes us back to our very first conversation we had a few minutes ago, that if we can get those ideas into the people of God, we will. Impact the world. It, it will influence the world in a in a far greater way, because he was for song. Yeah, he instructed about the song because he was skillful. Massah, uh, that word means the prophetic mantle, weightiness, burden of God that was to rest upon the shoulders of the musicians, so that when they played, song came it would be a revealed, manifest presence of God. You see the manifest presence of the glory of God, I challenge you to go away unchanged. Mm -hmm. And so the ones that carry the sensitivities and sensibilities to actually function in that kind of realm are the ones that living alert and aware and many times look distracted because they see, they feel, they sense, they're dreamers, they're imaginators, they feel things that nobody else feels. And they're not called to stand on a church platform and surf the emotions of a congregation and create dynamics. We can get that easy, easily enough, even probably more powerful expressions of it at a U2 concert.
0: Right. Yeah, that's true.
1: You know, uh, but anyway, I'm over answering the question. But
0: That's great. No, I think it's all connected because, it's, like you said, it goes back to the beginning. If understanding music and worship in the right way, the importance of that is is impactful to the world. And to me finding a way in Christian communities to steward and to disciple and to have context for musicians and singers and creatives to me is extremely important because if if that affects how the world encounters God, then we need to make space and we need to care for, and we need to have in my mind space like they did in Tabernacle of David for creativity, and for prophecy and for all these things. And I love that first Chronicles 25, where they had those families, you know, it was spiritual mothering and fathering, musical development, all those things kind of happening together at the same time.
1: And it wasn't about a, a, a an elitist, uh, kind of a right. thing, either. you know, it, I mean, there were, there were offices and functions and all that, but it, but it's also, it was corporate humility. So
0: mm, that's so good. Awesome. Uh, I'd love to just like get your perspective since you've been sort of around the church for some years now and seeing the trends and, you know, with music and worship and that kind of thing. Is there anything that's like when you look at what's happening right now in the church with worship, with music, is there anything right now that's like you're really encouraged and excited about?
1: Yeah. And, and, and uh, to touch on something you just touched. Oh, sure. This, this week was my Fifty years, welcome with the Lord. Come on, so that's awesome. I got, I got saved fifty years ago this week, and within a week of being saved, I was already in ministry and didn't know how to spell it. (laughs) And so, in the last fifty years, I've seen, and I, and I hate to diminish these things to some sort of a formula because God is not a formula; He's a Father. But I've watched the emphasis down to the years, typically there's about a seven year emphasis of the Holy Spirit. Mm. For for example, someone will rise up with a fresh revelation in regards to discipleship and out of that will become a discipleship movement. Typically it'll run about seven years because the person who had the encounter, had the revelation, they put it out and it takes about seven years for it to get over into error as people reproduce and sometimes manipulate and uh, get way out of balance. And I, I'm not afraid of being out of balance because I, I, I've never seen, you know, balanced people never change the world. Mm. But they, there is a biblical balance that, that becomes quite harming, actually, after a while. And it typically is with that second generation of those that are trying to walk in that revelation. Mm. If, it's go, if the wheels are going to come off. But anyway, so you have a seven-year emphasis, and then you have a seven-year emphasis on faith. Remember the faith move. Then comes a seven-year, the teacher. Um, and you can watch it across the five-fold ministry as well. There'll be a uh, seven years that the, that you'll see the the teacher highlighted, and maybe the evangelist. You know, I got saved during the Jesus movement, mm. which was about a seven-year emphasis of the Holy Spirit in those days. Yeah. So if it all comes in a seasonal emphasis, then along comes worship, and we've already somewhat. Programmed ourselves for these seven year emphasis. And what we're doing, we're marrying ideologies of the world when we do that. But I want to just tell you, worship is not a seven year emphasis. And -hmm. if we try to treat it like one, it'll become trendy like everything else. And and we we try to uh, almost emulate the trends that are in the world. And those trends that are in the world are becoming more and more and more compact. And you can be a huge star one day and go away the next because it's all in rotation. And again, I don't want to overly answer the thing, but the point is, is guys, what God's doing in the earth right now is not a seven-year emphasis of the Holy Spirit. This is an eternal thing that God's revealing in the earth, and we have an opportunity to worship God and in our generation in ways we never got to in the others that were so limited to their, they were so limited, walked in such profound depths of revelation, but so limited in their revelation of expressed worship. And, And the reason that is, is because creativity, the church is always 20 years behind the cutting edge of creativity. Something comes out as a cutting edge creativity or worship or whatever, the first 10 years we criticize it, Second 10 years, we emulate it and wonder why we're 20 years behind. <laughs> we, we've we got to break that. And so now when that is breaking and that thing is bowing a bit, it's alerting and alarming a lot of us that, wait a minute, is that God or not? What Did you see what they just did in church? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was one of those things in Jesus movement, you know, all the hillbilly. I, I was a hillbilly hippie, but the hippies yeah. across the world were, you know, redefining church culture at that time. And everybody had to draw lines or, or open doors, you know, so.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, is there anything that concerns you? Is there any, like any words of wisdom that you think, you know, worshiping communities and worshipers, you know, creatives, like anything you say, Hey, maybe we're getting a little bit off course on this. Maybe we're, maybe we need to come back around.
1: Yeah, one of the things at times, and, and I really ask the Lord sometimes, is it just my age or is it just uh, traditions that I value that are, I feel like are getting rocked? But sometimes I think the casualness mm. uh, can be concerning because where I see great atmospheres of casualness can also create casualties because that's what happened when they were, try- uh, when they were trying to move the Ark of the Covenant, David's day. They got mm. very casual with it and just, it looked like revival. It sounded like revival. They're dancing and rejoicing and going down the road. What had happened was when they got the Ark of God's presence back, they treat it with such casualness that uh, there was a casualty. Mm. So if, if I had a concern, I think it would be there. And also out of that casualness, and I'm not saying we all need to go high church, right? but we sure need to go high heart
0: mm.
1: and we need to, not allow the enemy to trap us in the isolation with our ideas. There's a difference in isolation and solitude. And if we don't have some of those real moments of honest, heart-to-heart solitude with God is an important thing. And I think uh, it's so many times it's about the event. And honestly, that does concern me sometimes. Because when you think of worship, look at these ideas here. Here's the things that you and I are having to contend with and to present. What is a worship service? What is a worship event? And categorically, you'd see there's worship services. No, that's a worship event, so that's not a worship service. And then you have the worship industry. And sadly, we've industrialized worship. And when you biblical worship, that does not work. And then lastly, there's lifestyles. And sometimes those who pride themselves and having worship lifestyles gets so casual with it that we forget the beauty and the power and the awe of the cross. And I'm a party guy like everybody else. So let's have a party for the presence of God. David did. So let's do it. Yeah. But all comes at times, it's no longer a party.
0: Yeah, that's great. I, w- I wasn't expecting that, but I think you're right on. You know, some Bible teachers, they talk about the imminence and the transcendence of God, that God is imminent with I. I am a imminent. So that which means that God is near, He's with us. He's very personal, but also He's transcendent. There's a sense in which God is yeah. bigger than we can ever imagine. He's holy. He's creator. He's omniscient. These kind of like transcendent attributes of God. And to me part it sounds like maybe some of what you're touching on is that there's been an overemphasis on the imminence of God, that He's with us. He's our friend. He's our Father, and these things are real and true, and but but it can create a casualness if we don't also recognize God as transcending. Yeah. The thing that makes it so amazing that God is close to us and He's so He's our friend and He's our Father is is the fact that He's God. He's you know He still yeah. is the Holy God, and that's yeah. the one that comes close to us, and that's incredible. Yeah. So maybe we need to be thinking about how do we. Uh, also highlight the transcendence of God in in our approach um, in in our worship and the way we gather and the songs we choose and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I I always pray we never lose the awe of who he is. And worship is not about meeting the needs of some great big insecure, egotistical God with identity issues. So we have to have a service and get everybody unified around these expressions. fact is he's a father who seeks us to worship him, because in moments of spirit and truth worship, he receives our undivided attention. And it takes our attention off of the personalities that are driving the dynamics into an event, yeah. church service. but, but uh, let me read you this. He yeah. received undivided attention and purest expressions of our love and true worship, while he gives us his undivided attention and purest expressions of his love. Those are moments when both parties, he and us, experience love as a gift and not a reward. Seekers become finders in moments of real worship. He was seeking us as we were seeking him. So worship is when love finds love. When it's real love and it's really being expressed, it's hard to stay confined to an atmosphere of casualness. There's a sense of awe. And so if I want to kind of caution less don't lose our sense of awe and wonder who he is. Even if you have to leave the service and go, go stand by the lake.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Wow. Can I ask you one more question? Yeah. If you could go back and give 30 year old, or I don't know how old you were when you started in ministry, you know, go back 30 years or so. You said you've been walking with the Lord 50 years, haven't you?
1: And yeah. so, when in the ministry, I, again, I was, got saved from the Jesus movement, thrown straight onto the right. platform because of my testimony. So 50 years I've been in ministry.
0: Yeah. Well, if you could go back 45 years ago and give yourself some advice, <laughs> what, would, what, would you, what would you tell yourself? Oh,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess ministry is never, ever going to be about success. It'll always be about sacrifice. And if you can know that going in, you won't be disappointed by all the things that felt unsuccessful that you gave your heart to as a dreamer. Mm. And he's, you know, dreams don't have to come true to be valuable because sometimes God will use those dreams to keep you hopeful and pressing forward and and all that. But then, you know, God will use those, those dreams like it. But many times it's only to keep you alive with hope, sustain you through really dark times in your life until the real dream of God can then be revealed with the timing of God. And uh, that that's an important thing for us to walk out. You know, I've, I've often said, I very seldom know what's next, but I know that to get there, I've got to have a yes. Mm. And you only get there one yes at a time. And when you're young and full of energy and gifting and celebration, you'll wind up saying yes to more dreams than you can live sometimes. you know. Yeah, so
0: That's good. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Well, awesome, Ray. It's been great to chat with you about worship, creativity, glean from your wisdom. Any, anything else you'd like to say to our presence pioneers?
1: Well, yeah. If you don't get Matt's book, I'm not sure you'll go to heaven. <laughs> a- I don't know about that. And that's a good way to get to heaven and bring a little heaven to us. And, uh, yeah, the one thing I would want to say is, it's thank you for writing that to hear a a young guy with a voice and your ability to, to communicate and the intellect, obviously the intellect and the discipline that takes to, to do this is a wonderful thing. And I I just want you to know, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for all of us.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Wow, thank you for that. I appreciate that, Ray. Do you do you still have some teachings and and those kinds of things up on a website somewhere that people could access?
1: Yeah, you know, somewhere I've got all that stuff. You know, through all this COVID thing, think the world sort of went crazy, and I I never did release my music anyway. It always had to escape, you know. So <laughs> if, if you're going to find it, I think fact, RayHughes.org is a good place to go. There you I, go. I get I get wound up in my head trying to figure out how to do that stuff, but rayhughes.org. And I'm also on Facebook, I'm on the other one, Instagram, yeah. places like that. And I think there's always little links in there that you can find to go to, go to those kind of things. And I guess, give it your best shot. I don't know how to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Well, we'll find
0: we'll find all that and we'll, we'll link to it in uh, in the description for this. So people can, can connect with you and continue to track and receive more from you. So awesome. Thank you so much, Ray. This has been great.
1: Bless you, man. See you soon.
0: All right. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you enjoyed it, would you please share it with somebody? Post it on social media. Let people know about this resource to encourage them and strengthen them. If you're not yet following or subscribing, please hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app or on YouTube. Again, you can always go to our website at PresencePioneers.org and subscribe via email there as well. If you're on YouTube, could you give us that little thumbs up? Maybe leave us a comment. If you're tuning in on Apple, which I know most of you are, the Apple podcast app, could you leave us a rating or a review? All of that helps get credibility to our podcast and reach more people with the good news that God's presence changes everything. Thanks, guys.